right. Good morning, Dorisville. Y'all glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. First Sunday of 2021. Amen. Come on, clap better than that. Come on. You better clap good or I'll preach two hours. By the way, you know, because of two services thing, y'all haven't said a word, okay? But we've kind of trimmed back the sermon length because of the two service thing. And no one's come up and said, oh, Pastor, we appreciate you preaching shorter. You know, it really disappointed me, you know? No, not really. Just kidding. But I am really glad to be with you today. And I did wear this sweater on purpose. I said, you know what? New Sunday, coming out of 2020, going into 2021, this has to be appropriate. Is that appropriate? You know, Trey told me that I look Spanish. And I kind of like, you know, huh? You know, he said, no, no, no. No, the new restaurant, you know, uh, what's the name of that place? Tequilas. Tequilas, you know? He said, you walk in the door and they have this painted on the floor. I gotta check it out. I gotta find out if it is or not. But anyway, it just seemed appropriate. And I'm very excited about our new series for, for this month. Um, it's entitled Old School, New School. And I came up with this crazy graphic. I designed this crazy graphic because it just seemed appropriate coming out of 2020 into 2021 to have a crazy graphic. And, and you can kind of see what it's all about there. We got old school. And of course, it's upside down because 2020 was upside down. You see the 20 upside down there. And then you can can see the word upside down, the word revealed. And the idea there is, what did 2020 reveal about us? What did 2020 reveal about And trust me, it revealed a lot. Then we've got this new year, which we don't know how it's going to turn out, but we have a new year, so a new school, and the 21 is pointing up, but then got the word resolve. So, so in 2020, what did what did what was revealed to us about ourselves, and how are we going to resolve that? And that's what the next five weeks um, are about. I was uh, laying in bed about four o'clock in the morning on New Year's Day. We were down wherever we were. I think Cookville. I think at that point, and uh, was kind of going over my brain. Not this sermon. Not this sermon. Um, in fact, uh, Gene and I have been asked to teach a little conference um, in the middle of January up at, at Springfield and talk about missions mobilization. And uh, I, this, this thing I'm going to share with you popped into my brain. But it's going to become the tagline of, for this message series also. Here's what it says. And it goes right along with like, what Brother Dave said in, in Psalm 90. Here's what it says. It isn't a matter, it isn't a matter of what 2020 did to us. It's not a matter of what 2020 did to us, but rather, by God's grace, what did it do for us? It's not a matter of what 2020 did to us, but rather, by God's grace, what did it do for us? Because, you see, when, when we have things, character flaws or whatever it is, revealed in our life, and then God gives us some answers how to resolve that, that's something for us and not to us. Hey, come on, amen? Is that right? So over the next five weeks, that's what we're going to kind of look at. Okay, was 2020 a hard year? Incredibly hard. Um, I know as a leader, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. As a pastoral leader, hardest thing ever done. Hardest thing ever done. And we're not done. We're not done. Okay, so it's been a difficult time. But again, God is sovereign. God's in control. And when James, we're talking about James one day, James chapter one, we are to we're to be joyful. You know, when we fall into divers temptations and divers trials, okay? We're to be joyful. We're going to see how. Well, here's what five weeks look like, okay? Um, first today is God and us. And the whole, by the way, the whole series is based on the book of Psalms, okay? So we got God and us, okay? What did we learn about God and us, okay? The second week is going to be us and God. And that's not the same thing. Us and God. God and us, us and God. Then the third week, God in our church, God, what did we learn about our church 
through what 2020 showed us, okay? Um, number four is um, God in our culture. What has God revealed to us about our culture? And then lastly, week number five is God in our future. God in our future. What does the future look like through the lens of God? I think it's going to be a great series. I hope you'll be here every single week. And I'm really excited about this week. You know, sometimes David um, will say, so Dwayne, what's your big picture? And if you know anything, my style of preaching, it's kind of like, you know, going to an art museum. There's not one big picture. There's lots. You know, take your choice. You know, they teach you in preacher school, you have one big picture. Well, I'm Louvre. I'm the Louvre. I've got lots of artwork to show off. But anyway, today I know what it is. Today I know what it is. I really want you to leave this place today. I want you to understand, and again, this went so well what David said, you know, the magnificence and greatness of God, but also how enamored he is with us. Now, we don't deserve that. This is, before you get all puffy, you go, well, of course he is. Look at me. Before you get all puffy, okay, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. God is magnificent and majestic, okay, and, yes, he's enamored with us, but it's his character and nature. It's not us. So today, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 8, starting in verse number 1, and we're going to begin looking at the magnificence of God. Now, go ahead and get your worship app out, app out. Okay, get your phone, your electronic device, hit that bottom corner, go up, events. You're going to find everything there. You can type notes in and also see the different quotes and scriptures that we have um, today. I hope you'll do that. All right? At home, I hope you'll do that also as you listen on Facebook. All right? So here we go. Psalm number 8. It's a psalm written by David. And he's talking about, again, the greatness of God, but also, again, God's reflection in how much he cares and loves us. So in verse number one, the first part, okay, here's what David writes. He goes, O Lord, our Lord, and that's the word Yahweh. That's the word Yahweh for God, okay? So, O Yahweh, O Yahweh, it goes, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He, the word majestic, how great, how powerful, how wonderful is your name. Now, now, again, we don't get this very well here, okay? We are a famous person, and we just think of their face, okay? But in the biblical times, the person's name reflected the person's character. The person's name reflected the person's character. So when David says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how powerful is your name, he's saying that the character of who God is is revealed as majestic. Where? All the earth. All the earth. See, see you, know, you know, we, um, you know, we, are, we are regional people, okay? But God's not. You know, you know, in communist China today where God's not very popular, okay, guess what? He's God of all the earth. If you go over to Russia where he's not very popular, he's God of all the earth. You go down the Bible Belt, God of all the earth, okay? So God's not restricted by regions, all right? So he says, how majestic, how wonderful, how revealed is your character throughout all the earth. You know, an old preacher, J.F. Packer, and this is a great quote. I hope you, hope you grab a hold of these quotes because they, these guys speak such good, wise words. He goes, we think God as too much like we are, like what we are. We think God as too much like what we are. In other words, we tend, we tend to see God in the reflection of ourselves. We, we tend, let me put it even plainer, we tend to bring God down to us. Our level. We, we love to put God in boxes. Um, we love to put God in bowls and seal the top, okay? You can't do that. There's no box big enough. There's no bowl big enough to contain God, okay? So, but we want to do that. Now, there's a balance here you need to get, okay? Now, a Jewish man, a Jewish woman, 
a Jewish child, could never even think, could never even think of calling God Father. In fact, they so reverenced his name, they would intentionally misspell it, okay, because they were afraid to write the name of God. That's how much reverence they had for God, okay? So they would intentionally misspell it. They would leave letters out of his name so that they would not offend this holy God. And yet here we are, and we get to call God Father. They could never even think of that. Okay, but, but the downside, the, the thing we got to be careful of is that, that we don't bring God so far down that he becomes our buddy. Okay, now listen, listen. God is not my buddy, but I want you to clearly understand something. He is my dearest father. He's not my high school chum, but he is my best friend. I know, you've got to be careful there, okay? Do not, do not, because the scriptures don't support it, do not put God on such a level where you cannot commune and, and have this relationship with Him. He is a God who loves you intimately. I mean, that's what this was all about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is majestic, but God is enamored with us. And again, it has nothing to do with us. It's His character to love. It's his character to love. So back to Packer. He said, we think God is too much like what we are. Learn, note the word there, circle it if you're doing notes, learn to acknowledge the full majesty of your incomparable God and Savior. So on this side, you've got a wonderful God who chooses to love us by his grace. Okay, we've got that. He's my dearest father. Okay, he, Jesus, my best friend. Okay, what a friend we have in Jesus. We have a wonderful, wonderful hymn we, we sing sometimes. Okay, but at the same time, don't bring him down to such a level where you think he's just a buddy of yours. Okay, you've got to have balance um, in that. All right, and learn to, to, re, to respect the full majesty of your incomparable God and Savior. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we see one of the great characteristics of God. In Genesis 131, it says this. God saw all that he had made. Someone say, all that he made. Yeah, did, did he make a lot? Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he made you. Okay, all right? So when God saw all that he made, and it was good, it was very good indeed. And then evening came, and then morning the sixth day. So everything that God made was very good. Same thing I want you to understand about God is that God is good through and through. You can, you can explore God from whatever angle you want to, okay? And here's what you're going to come out. God is nothing but good. God is nothing but good. There, you, it's really it's bad verbiage, but I'll use it anyway. There's not a cell. There's not an atom. There's not a neutron in God that is not good. So we have this magnificently good God. And because he's good through and through, all he can give is good. All he can do is good. Amen? Amen? So in 2020, that's really important because we're coming from 2020 and we're going, really, Dwayne? Really? And that's one of the things that were revealed. Too many people, too many believers, believers started doubting the goodness of God. They forgot how sovereign he is. That God is too you know, kind to be unkind. Okay? He's working He's working in these days that we are living. Um, there's a missionary, Alan um, Gardier. I found this this morning, okay? I thought it was too good not to throw in. Alan Gardier was a missionary. Um, 1861, he died. Uh, he was a missionary on an island off the coast of South America, okay? And at age 57, um, literally, one, 
he got a disease, and secondly, he starved to death. He starved to death, okay? So they go and check on him, and they find his stuff, and in his stuff was his diary. And in his diary, he had written toward the end, here's what he said, let me, let me read it, get it right. I am overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Starving to death on a remote island in South America, all by himself, and he writes, I am overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Can I ask you a question? Are you overwhelmed with the goodness of God? Are you over? In this year called 2020 that we pray that 2021 is nothing like, were you overwhelmed with the goodness of God? See, when you start understanding the character of who he is, oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name and all the earth, then all of a sudden you can say, wait a minute, wait, I am overwhelmed with his goodness because God is good. I, it may look like a rock. It may look like a stone. It looks like moldy bread. I don't know. But all I know is this, that God is good. Because God is good, then all God can give is good, and all God does is good. Ask Alan Garnia. He said, I am overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Well, then the psalmist goes in the second part of verse number one, and he says this, you have set your glory above the heavens. So David, Psalmist David, you know, he looks and goes, you know what, I, I see all, this, all these stars and stuff. And God, you have set your glory up above um, the heavens. You know, we, we did a lot of traveling this week, during the week, and um, we drove over to Cooksville and then down to Jacksonville. I'm going to write a story about this, so I won't tell you what it's all about, but it's a really good story. But anyway, Cookville, then Jacksonville, then home. Okay, a lot of driving. Um, and, and so you're going down the road, and somewhere, I don't know if it's south, Chattanooga, somewhere, you know, you see billboards a lot of places, and they're always up high, up high. Well, we were driving along, I said, Judy, I didn't comment Judy. I said, Judy, look at these billboards. And they were like 10 stories in the air. In fact, you had to look like this to see them. I don't know what the purpose was, unless it was getting to get above all the other, you know, billboards around. All I know is, is because they were high, you noticed them. And God, you know, the psalmist says, God, you have put your glory up in the heavens. Have you ever noticed a Burger King sign in town? You know, every time I go, seriously, this is not a, a, a makeup. You know, I, I go to Walmart as often as I absolutely have to only, okay? And when I'm leaving, I generally go out that road in front of the VA clinic there. So I'm looking north. And there is the, the, the uh, Burger King sign. And it's round, and it's round, and it's lit up, and it's like way in the sky. And I'm telling you, six out of ten times, I go, look at the moon. It looks like a moon to me. You know, of course, burger looks like heaven. So, you know, you probably get that. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's the truth. Because it's up there against the dark sky, and it's lit up, and it's kind of orange, then I go, oh, wow, look at the moon. So, so the psalmist says, David says, you set your glory above the heavens. Now, Psalm 19 is one we just love. We, we, we teach it here a lot because it's magnificent in its beauty. Okay? Here's what Psalm 19 says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The work of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So, so here's the deal. So, so God created the heavens. Okay? And guess what their job is? Glorify God. You know what? You ever wonder? You ever wonder why God put all those stars up there? Any? Do you ever wonder why God put all those stars up there? Do you ever ever wonder why there's a moon? It's more than just to control the tides. You know what it is? To glorify God. 
to glorify God. Let me read it to you again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So, so God threw all this out there, okay? And he threw it out there, and all this is there to proclaim the glory of God. Because God is so majestically big, he couldn't count on us to get the job done. So he throws up the heavens to declare his glory, all right? And then listen to this, look, verse number two. Day after day, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So over and over again, since the very beginning of creation, when they were put there in the first place, until God says a new heaven and a new earth, you know, day after day, night after night, all they got, one job, one purpose, proclaim the glory of God. Oh, by the way, that should be us too. We should be here to proclaim. Come on. We should be here to proclaim the glory of God. All right? It goes on. It goes on. Verse 3. There is no, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Verse 4. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. So, so all over. There's not, a place, there's not a place. There's not a place. You can go that they're not doing their job. And their job is to proclaim the greatness of God. So when David said, you have set your glory into the heavens, that's a big deal. Because he, see, God, <laughs> God needed a really big billboard. So he created the vast, I'm going to try to find a word, the vastness of space. It's not just our solar system. It's not just our galaxy, the Milky Way. There are millions, Tracy, there's millions of galaxies beyond that. Beyond that. And all their job, all their job. Okay, yeah, I like what Louis Giglitz says. He says in one of his sermons, he says, you know, if we're the only life, and we are, but if we're the only life in all of this, okay, it seems like an incredible waste of space until you remember the purpose of space is to glorify God. And then Louis Giglitz says, it's just about right. Amen? It's just about right. Just about right. All right. So he goes on in verse number two. Then he says this. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. In other words, you know, God says, I, I, let, I let babies and infants do my light work. Okay. Well, what I do is, is through their mouths. Okay. We, we establish this. We, they establish my strength and, and they steal the enemy and the avenger. They still the enemy and the avenger. Uh, this is a paraphrase of that verse. Nursing infants uh, gurgle praises about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence. Atheists babble. So God uses even the mouths of children and babes to declare his wonderful praise. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 21, 16, he said, they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? And like Jesus says, yeah, duh, sure do. Okay, haven't you read the scriptures where they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise? So here's this magnificent God, all of creation, designed in there to glorify and praise his name. And then, and then we get this. Let me, I'm going to mess up with Nick back there. I want you to look at verse 3 and 4 together. On your sermon sheet and the worship event, they're separate. We're going to put them together, and then we're going to come back and look at them separate, okay? Here's what verse 3 and 4 says. When I look, David says, when I look at your heavens, uh, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, he goes, when I look at all of that, when I look at all that, then verse 4 he says, what is man? 
dude, who are you? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? David said, I look at the vastness of all this. And then I look at us. I said, what is, what is up with that? All right. Well, here's what the teaching point says. When we look at the wonder of God's creation, when we look at the wonder of God's creation, we will find both a sense of smallness and significance. Smallness and significance. Well, what about smallness? Well, again, let's look at verse 3. It says it. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place. Does it, does it show you how small we really are? I mean, even if you took the whole earth with 7 billion people, think about that. You know, but compared to all eternity and all the vastness of space, what is that? What is that? See, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. For, how many of y'all saw the Christmas star? Now, wasn't that cool? Wasn't that cool? You know, we'd go out there, and there it was, and here's Jupiter, and here's Saturn right here next to it. It magnifies the light. You know, that declared the glory of God. Did you know, did you know that you can take a, a million, actually it's 1.3, 1.3 million Earths, and that's how, and put them, and that'll cover the sun. 1.3 million Earths, to cover the sun. How about that? Oh, did you know? <coughs> Excuse me, did you know? It took, it takes eight minutes. You know, you look at the sun and you feel the sun rays on your, on your chest, okay? Did you know it took eight minutes for that sun light to get to you? It left the sun and it still took eight minutes to get here, okay? Now, let me, let me, this caused me to go, wow. I was sitting there in the office, you know, in between services, and I'm going, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, the speed of light is how much? Uh, yeah. 186,000 186, miles per second. Are you got that? 186,000 miles per second. Then it takes eight minutes for that light to leave the sun and get to you on planet Earth. Is that not amazing? That, to me, it's amazing. But here, here, here. The brightest... I'm telling you, I'm giving you stuff you can press your friends with. Okay? The brightest star in the sky is Cirrus. Cirrus. Um, if I read right, you'll find it on the... I think it's right after midnight. <laughs> you'll see it, Brent. I never will. Okay? All right? But anyway, Cirrus is over on the, on the uh, southern sky. Okay? Uh, right around the horizon. What would be the horizon? Okay? All right? And, and again, it's the brightest star that we see in our sky, all right? It takes four years for the light to get here. Okay, let me help you again, okay? I can tell you're not getting this, okay? So the light from Cirrus, a star like our sun, but bigger, okay? The light from Cirrus leaves Cirrus and travels through space for four years, Traveling at 186,000 miles per second. And four years after it leaves, traveling at that speed, we see it with our eyeball. Do you think we serve a great God? Do you think we serve a big God? And all of that is there to bring glory and honor to Him. Okay? So, so, again, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, and the stars, which you set in place, how incredible is that? 
then makes you feel a little small. But then watch this. Verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? Now, here, here's got all this creation, okay? And yet God's focus is not on his creation. Mama T, it's on you. It's on you. It's on you, Barbara. The focus of everything is on you. What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man, that you care for him. Now, now don't get puffy. Because you ain't got nothing to do with it. The more, the more you understand that it's all about God, the better off you're going to be. That will, that's an anti-puffy thing. I know some of y'all might be playing diets. Well, that's a good pride diet. When you understand you ain't got nothing, God's got it all. And everything about you that you like, God did. And the things you don't like, well, that's on you. All right, that's you on you. Okay, so, so listen to Ephesians Ephesians 1.4. Now, again, this is the message, which is a paraphrase, not a translation. I always like to just make that clear for you. But listen to Ephesians 1.4. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. Yeah, before, before he said, let there be sun, let there be light, let there be moon, let there be division between the, the, the water and the earth. Long before that, long before that, you know, he had us in mind. Shoot that thing. He, he settled on us as the focus of his love long before the foundation of the world. He, of all things he could love. Denzel, of all things he could love, he loved you. Isn't that amazing? Charlene, of all things God could love, he loved you. Warts and all. But God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners. Not that all of a sudden we got it right and God said, okay, now you're in. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How crazy amazing is that? He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. To be made whole. We're broken. We're Humpty Dumpty on the ground, cracked and fractured. He makes us whole, but he also makes us holy by his blood of his son, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Brendan Manning said this, and I know you don't know who these people are. I always like to give credit, though. I don't want to be a patron, but Brendan Manning said this. The deepest desire, the deepest desire of our hearts is for union with God. The deepest desire of our hearts is to be one, to be in union with God. God created us for union with himself. This is the original purpose of our lives. So why did God make you? He made you, and that's going to be, you know, he made you to be in union with him. You ever say, what am I here for? You're here to be in union with God. I love that. I love that. You know, we are here to be a part in union with God. The Westminster Confession from a zillion years ago. But I like what it says. Old or not, I like what it says. Man's chief end, man's chief purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God. Why are you here? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know, heaven's going to be an enjoyable place. <laughs> Some kid asked preacher, preacher, is... Is heaven going to be like church? And the preacher said, yeah, kind of. He goes, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go. No, heaven's going to be a wonderful place of worship. 
of celebration of who God is. We, the trophies of His grace, will enjoy heaven forever. So the deepest desire of our hearts is for union with God. God created us for union with Himself. This is the original purpose of our lives. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has put eternity in the heart of man. It's just incredible that God loves us and cares for us that much. Now, it gets, are you ready to get better? You're all kind of quiet today. Are y'all still recovering from New Year's Eve? Do I need to preach on drinking? <laughs> they didn't get that in the first service. Trust me. Okay. All right. All right. Listen. Listen to Psalm seventeen eight. Keep me, Psalmist writing. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Now I won't read the teaching point, but I'll tell you what it says. The teaching point says this. It's obvious that if you're the apple of someone's eye, then they have your total attention. They're, if you will, Gary, they're staring at you, okay? And I think I can say this. I've seen it happen where I could actually see my reflection in the eyes of someone. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine this, okay? Imagine your very image dancing in someone's eyes. Okay, you got that? They're staying so close... And they're so focused on you. Imagine your image reflecting in their eyes. Your dancing image reflecting. And imagine it's God. Imagine it's God. Imagine you and God face to face. And as the apple of his eye, you look in the eyes of God and you see your image dancing. I love Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Yeah, I've re- I use it frequently. The Lord, the Lord your God is with you. Okay? Look, look. We had to go through 2020. Okay? By the way, God is sovereign. But we had to go through 2020. You need to know something. God was with you. God was with you. He didn't go to Florida. He didn't go on vacation. He didn't retire. Um, he didn't go on strike. God was with you every step of the way. Zephaniah says that. You know, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He's mighty enough. You know, whatever your rescue is, God is strong enough. Amen? God is big enough. God is strong enough. He will, he will take great delight in you. I mean, God, do you understand that? God does not sit up in heaven going, mm, boy, I didn't want to let him in. Or, I, I saved him, and I'm so, I saved him, and I'm so disappointed in him. Let me look at, look at me. It never, it never crosses God's mind to be disappointed in you. He wasn't and he isn't. He takes delight in you. He will quiet you. He will calm you with his love. I love this. He will rejoice over you with sin. God, he's enamored with you. He's enamored with you. Yes, God loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. But as as his children, as people who have experienced the the forgiveness and the grace of God through through the Lord Jesus Christ and turned from your sin, he's enamored with you. He he can't get enough of you. He likes you. He He wants to be with you and you to be with him. He can't wait for eternity because all his kids are all his kids are coming home. He can't wait. He can't wait. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's incredible. 
It's incredible. Begin 2021 with that idea, that concept in your mind that God can't wait for you to be there with him. And then the psalmist is just blown away. He goes, verse 5, Yet you have made him. Of all this creation, okay, yet you have made him. You know, what is man? Well, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with glory and Again, don't get puffy, because you had nothing to do with it. You're just long for the ride. You're just long for the ride. You know, listen to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, and I love, you see the, the triune God right here. Let us, let us, let us, plural, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So, so God creates man, okay, in his image. That doesn't mean we look like God. It means we have characteristics. There's a lot of them. But two that popped in my brain when I was preparing for this, one is tri- you know, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, okay? Triune human being, body, soul, and spirit, okay? Um, God is an eternal being. You are an eternal being. See, as a, as a child of God, I'm going to live forever and ever and ever in a place called heaven with God, okay? But if you reject Jesus, you're still an eternal being. And you'll go to a place separated from God, this place that we call hell. So we are eternal beings. Now, I want you to notice something. Some of you need to write this down. You know, in Genesis one twenty six said, So God created man in his own image. He wasn't selective on skin color. God didn't say, you know, just, just, just black people are made in the image of God. Just white people are made in the image of God. Just, just brown people are made in the image of God. No, every person. That's, that's why you should not have a wrestling issue with racism. Because God created every man in his image. Every man. Every man. Every man in his image. So, God made us this triune being. God, God made us an eternal being. And you need to answer the question today, where are you going to spend eternity? Because you're an eternal being. And the answer is either heaven or hell. And it's not based on how good you can be or how many rules you can keep. It is based on, it is based on your acceptance of what God did through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Amen. On the cross. On the cross. So, moving on. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, chapter... I'll get here in just a minute. Psalm 8, 6. You have given him... Now watch this. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. So God creates man in his image and then gives him dominion over the works that God has created. Now here's the deal. In God's, in God's beloved man, he saw dominance. And we gave it away. We gave it away. We traded it for brokenness and subservience. When I was a kid, eighth grade, mom would give me a quarter for lunch. Boy, you know that's a long time ago. You're talking about 67, you know, that's a long time ago. But anyway, a quarter. And so I went to the bus stop. It only happened once because, you know, food and I are really close. And, um, and so anyway, so yeah, so this guy had a stack. He didn't use it like this, a stack of cards, baseball cards. And so I traded my quarter for his baseball cards. It sounded like a good deal. Joe, it sounded like a good deal. Until 11.30. 
And I found you can't eat baseball cards. And I also found this. No one wanted my baseball cards. They were smart enough to know 1130 means eat. If you trade your lunch money for cards, you're out of luck. It was a bad deal. Well, in the garden, Adam and Eve traded away their dominance for brokenness and subservience. Okay? Then the psalmist goes on. You have put all things under his feet. Talking about Genesis 1. All the sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the, of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the past. And, and David's amazed. He goes, you know, you gave us all this dominance. See, David understood what we don't get. Okay? Number one is our identity. Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm a coal miner. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. I'm an executive. No, no, no. Who are you? You're a child of If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you're a child of God. That's who you are. And David knew his identity, and he knew his place. David knew he was created for dominance and not subservience. That's the big deal about you know, when Jesus gave us victory over death and sin. He returned us to the dominance over sin, a dominance over death through his death and resurrection. Now, in Genesis, he says that, first Genesis 1.26 they, men, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the clouds, that, the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls. And that was God's intention. His brilliant, brilliant intention was for us to be dominant because he's so enamored with us. And we traded away. But you know what's cool? God redeemed us. He didn't throw us under the bus. He won't throw you under the bus. He loves you. So what kind of makes Psalm 8 different in another way is the last verse. Because the first verse is the last verse. The book ends. Over here... We had the beginning. We had God and all this creation and glory and Him creating man. How wonderful, how spectacular. And then at the end, we got the same thing. Exact same words. Oh, Lord, our Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Looking forward. And here's the second big part. One, God's enamored with you. God loves you. He's great. He's enamored with you. But second, He's got a great future plan. Some of us going to be here. But certainly, all of it will be there. Just let me read five verses and we're going to call it a day. Amen, brother. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be the God. And that would be enough. I tell you, the future's good. The future's bright. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear. Some of you shed tears very recently. Very recently. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Reeds is out of business. Warwick is out of business. The coroner 
is out of business. COVID's out of business. Cancer's out of business. Heart attacks are out of business. Accidents are out of business because there will be no more death. No more grief. No more grief. Someone wrote me this week and said, Brother Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne, I know you wrote an article on grief. I'm looking for it because my daddy died on Christmas Day. No more grief, Sherry, wherever you are today. No more grief. No more crying. No more pain. Because the previous things are going to be passed away. This isn't heaven. This is not all there is. Our hope is not hanging on 2021 being a better year. Our hope is on the sovereign God who made it all. And then he closes with this little reminder and says, Look, I'm making all things new. And he is. Amen? He is. He is. So today, I want you to, I want you, if you're watching on Facebook today, or maybe in the future, or if you're here and you've never received this marvelous gift of God's incredible love and forgiveness brought by the blood sacrifice of the man on the cross, Jesus Christ. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and we would love to have you come and say, Brent, I want to know that I had that gift. I know I'm an eternal being, but I don't want to spend eternity separated from God. I want to spend eternity in union with God. So Brent will be down front, and we can tell you how that can happen in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're just hurting. You understand that Revelation 21.4 is not now, and there's grief and there's pain. I just want you to know the altar is open, and we'd love to come and we pray with you today. And as you embrace 2021, remember your God is great and he is sovereign. It wasn't about what 2020 did to you. It's what it did for you. God is good through and through. And because of that, he can not do nothing but good and give nothing but good. Let's pray. Well, Father, you are good, and we're grateful and thankful for that. I just want to pray, Father, that you will speak to hearts. If there's someone out there on the Facebook, or maybe you're going to watch it later on, and they've never experienced this great gift. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's not about doing better. It's about you and grace and forgiveness. So if there's someone today or tomorrow who sees this, we want to pray for them to be forgiven, and their sins forgiven, and they're saved eternity. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Father, you did bring us through 2020 and we're grateful it's in the rearview mirror, but don't let us waste the lessons that we need to learn. There are some things revealed in our lives that needs to be addressed. And by your word and by your power and by your grace, we can resolve them. And we're thankful for that. So we surrender and give ourselves to you today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.